0: The Sunday Sermons of St. Alphonsus to for Sermon 46, for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost on the love of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of all the Holy to men. But one thing is necessary. What is this one thing necessary? It is not necessary to acquire riches, nor to obtain dignities, nor to gr- gain a great name the only thing necessary is to love God whatever is not done for the love of God is lost this is the greatest and first commandment of the divine law to the Pharisee who asked what was the greatest commandment of the law Jesus Christ answered thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart this is the greatest and first commandment but this which is the greatest of the commandments is the most despised by men there are few who fulfill it The greater part of men love their relatives, their friends, and even brute animals, but do not love God. Of these, St. John says that they have not life, that they are dead. He that loveth not abideth in death. St. Bernard writes that the reward of a soul is estimated by the measure of her love for God. Let us consider today on the first point how dear this command of loving God with our whole heart ought to be to us, And in the second, what we ought to do in order to love God with our whole heart. First point, how dear this command of loving God with our whole heart ought to be to us. What object more noble, more magnificent, more powerful, more rich, more beautiful, more bountiful, more merciful, more grateful, more amiable, or more loving than himself could God give us to love? Who more noble than God? Some boast of the nobility of their family for five hundred or a thousand years. But the nobility of God is eternal. He is the Lord of all. Before God, all the angels in heaven, or all the nobles on earth, are but as a drop of water or a grain of dust. Behold, the Gentiles are as a drop of a bucket. Behold, the islands are as of little dust. Who more powerful than God? He can do whatsoever he wills. By an act of, of his will, he has created this world. And by another act, he can destroy it when he pleases. Who more wealthy? He possesses all the riches of heaven and earth. Who more beautiful? Before the beauty of God, all the beauties of creatures disappear. Who more bountiful? St. Augustine says that God has a greater desire to do good to us and we have to receive it. Who more merciful? If the most impious sinner on, the, on earth humble himself before God and repent of his sins, God instantly pardons and embraces him. Who more grateful? He does not leave unrewarded the smallest act we perform for his sake. Who more amiable? God is so amiable that by barely seeing and loving him in heaven, The saints feel a joy which makes them perfectly happy and content for all eternity. The greatest of the torments of the damned arises from knowing that this God is so amiable and that they cannot love him. Finally, who more loving than God? In the old law, men might doubt whether God loved them with a tender love, but after seeing him die on a cross for us, how can we doubt of the tenderness and the ardent affection with which he loves us? Let us raise our eyes and look at Jesus, the true Son of God, fastened with nails to a gibbet, and let us consider the intensity of the love which he bears us. The cross, the wounds, says St. Bernard, cry out and proclaim to us that he truly loves us. And what more could he do to convince us of his great love than to lead a life of sorrow for 33 years and afterwards die in torment? on the infamous tree of the cross in order to wash away our sins with his own blood. Christ also hath loved us and hath delivered himself up for us. Who hath loved us and washed away us from us our sins in his blood? How, says St. Philip Neri, is it possible for him who believes in God to love anything but God? Contemplating God's love toward men, St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, began one day to ring the bell, saying that she wished to invite all the nations of the earth to love so loving a God. St. Francis de Sales used to say with tears, to love our God, it would be necessary to have an infinite love, and we throw away our love on vain, contemptible things. Oh, inestimable value of divine love, which makes us rich before God. It is the treasure by which we gain his friendship. She is an infinite treasure to men, which they that use become the friends of God. The only thing we ought to fear, says St. Gregory of Niza, is the loss of God's friendship. And the only object of our desire should be its attainment. It is love that obtains the friendship of God. Hence, according to St. Lawrence Justinian, by love the poor become rich, and without love the richer poor... No greater riches than to have charity. In charity the poor man is rich, and without charity the rich man is poor. How great is the joy which a person feels in thinking that he is loved by a man of exalted rank. But how much greater must be the consolation which a soul derives from the conviction that God loves her. I love them that love me. In a soul that loves God, the three persons of the adorable Trinity dwell. If anyone love me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and will make our abode with him. St. Bernard writes that among all the virtues, charity is the one that unites us to God. St. Catherine of Bologna used to say that love is the golden chain that binds the soul to God. St. Augustine says that love is a joint connecting the lover with the beloved. Hence, we're, not, we're God not immense... Where should he be found? Find a soul that loves God, and there God is certainly found. Of this, St. John assures us. He that abideth in charity abideth in God, and God in him. A poor man loves riches, but he does not therefore enjoy them. He may love a throne, but he does not therefore possess a kingdom. But the man that loves God possesses God. He abideth in God, and God in him. Besides, St. Thomas says, that love draws in its train all other virtues, and directs them all to unite us more closely to God. Hence, because from charity all virtues are born, St. Lawrence Justinian called it the mother of virtues. Hence, St. Augustine used to say, love and do what you wish. He that loves God can only do what is good. If he does evil, he shows that he has ceased to love God. And when he ceases to love him, all things can profit him nothing. If, said the apostle, I give all my possessions to the poor, and my body to the flames, and have not charity, I am nothing. And if I should distribute all my goods to feed the poor, and if I should deliver my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Love also prevents us from feeling the pains of this life. St. Bonaventure says that the love of God is like honey. It sweetens things that are most bitter. And what more sweet to a soul that loves God than to suffer for Him? She knows that by cheerfully embracing suffering, she pleases God, and that her pains shall be the brightest jewels in her crown in paradise. And who is there that will not willingly suffer and die in imitation of Jesus Christ? Who has gone before us carrying his cross to offer himself in sacrifice for the love of us and inviting us to follow his example? If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. For this purpose, he has condescended to humble himself to death and to the opprobri- opprobrious death of the Holy Cross for the love of us. He humbled himself. Becoming obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Second point. What we ought to do in order to love God with our whole heart. St. Teresa used to say that in calling a soul to his love, God bestows upon her an exceedingly great favor. Since then, most beloved brethren, God calls us all to his love. Let us thank and love him with our whole heart. Because he loves us intensely. He wishes to be tenderly loved by us. When, says Saint Bernard, God loves, he desires nothing else than to be loved, where he loves only that he may be loved. It was to inflame us with his divine love that the eternal word descended from heaven. So he himself has declared, adding, but he only desires to see this fire lighted up in our hearts. I am come to cast fire on the earth, and what will I be but that it not be kindled? Let us now see what means we ought to adopt in order to love God. In the first place, we ought to guard against every sin, whether mortal or venial. If, says Jesus Christ, anyone love me, he will keep my word. The first mark of love is to endeavor not to give the smallest displeasure to the beloved. How can he be said to love God with his whole heart who is not afraid to commit deliberate venial offenses against God? St. Teresa used to say to her spiritual children from deliberate sin, however small, may God deliver you. But some will say venial sin is a small evil. Is it a small evil to displease a God? who is so good, and who loves us so tenderly. In the second place, to love God with the whole heart, it is necessary to have a great desire to love Him. Holy desires are the wings with which we fly to God. For as St. Lawrence Justinian says, a good desire gives us strength to go forward, enlightens the labor of walking in the way of God. According to the spiritual masters, he that does not advance in the way of the Lord goes back. But on the other hand, God cheerfully gives himself to those who seek after him. The Lord is good to the soul that seeketh him. He fills with his own good things all who desire him through love. He hath filled the hungry with good things. In the third place, it is necessary to resolve courageously to arrive at the perfect love of God. Some persons desire to belong entirely to God, but do not resolve to adopt the means. It is of them the wise man says, desires kill the soul. I would wish, they say, to become a saint. But still, with all their desires, they never advance a single step. St. Teresa used to say that of these irresolute souls, the devil is never afraid, because if they do not resolve sincerely to give themselves to God without reserve, They shall always continue in the same imperfections. But on the other hand, the saint says, that God wishes only from us a true resolution to become saints. He himself will do the rest. If then we wish to love God with our whole heart, we must resolve to do so without reserve what is most pleasing to him. And to begin at once to put our hands to the work. Whatsoever thy hand is able to do, do it earnestly. What you can do today, do not put off until tomorrow. Do it as soon as possible. A certain nun in the convent of Torre degli Specce in Rome led a tepid life. But being called by God in a retreat to his perfect love, she resolved to correspond immediately to the divine call, and said to her director with a sincere resolution, Father, I wish to become a saint and to become one immediately. And for that moment, with the aid of God's grace, she lived and died a saint. We must then resolve to acquire the perfect love of God and must immediately adopt the means of becoming saints. The first means is to detach the heart from all creatures and to banish from the soul every affection which is not for God. The first question which the ancient fathers of the desert put to everyone who sought admission into their society was, do you bring an empty heart that the Holy Ghost may be able to fill it? If the word be not expelled from the heart, if the world be not expelled from the heart, God cannot enter it. St. Teresa used to say, Detach the heart from creatures, seek God and you shall find him. St. Augustine writes that the Romans worshipped 30,000 gods. But among these gods, the Romans Senate refused to admit Jesus Christ. Because, said they, he is a proud God, who requires that he alone should be adored. This they had reason to say, for our God wishes to possess our whole souls. Here, as St. Paul says, a jealous God. And therefore, he will have no rival in the affections of our heart. Hence the spouse in the canticles is called an enclosed garden. My sister, my spouse, is an enclosed garden. The soul, then, that wishes to belong entirely to God must be shut against all love which is not for God. Hence the divine spouse is said to be wounded by one of the eyes of a spouse. Thou hast wounded my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast wounded my heart with one of thy eyes." One of her eyes signifies that in all her thoughts and actions, the only end of the spouse is to please God. While in their devout exercises, worldlings propose to themselves different objects, sometimes their own interests, sometimes to please their friends, and sometimes to please themselves. But the saints seek only to please God. To whom they turn and say, What have I in heaven and besides thee? What do I desire upon earth? Thou art the God of my heart and the God that is the portion forever. We should do the same if we wish to be saints. If, says St. Chrysostom, we do some things pleasing to God, what else but his pleasure do we seek? What greater reward can a creature obtain than to please its creator? Hence, in all we desire or do, We should seek nothing but God. A certain solitary called Zeno, walking through the desert, absorbed in thought, met met the emperor Macedonius going to hunt. The emperor asked him what he was doing. In answer the solitary said, you go in quest of animals, and I seek God alone. St. Francis de Sales used to say that the pure love of God consumes all that is not God. Moreover, To love God with our whole heart, it is necessary to love him without reserve. Hence, we must love him with a love of preference. We must prefer him before every other good. and must be resolved to lose a thousand lives rather than to forfeit his friendship. We must say with St. Paul, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. We must also love him with a love of benevolence, desiring desiring to see him loved by all. And therefore, if we love God, we should seek as much as possible to kindle in others the fire of his love. Or at least should pray for the conversion of all who do not love him. We must love him with a love of sorrow, regretting every offense offered to him, more than every evil which we could suffer. We must love him with a love of conformity to the divine will. The principal office of love is to to unite the wills of lovers and to make the soul say, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? Lord, tell me what thou dost wish from me. I desire to do it. I wish for nothing. I wish only what thou willest. Hence, We ought frequently to offer ourselves to God without reserve that he may do with us and with all we have, whatever he pleases, we must love God with a love of patience. That is, strong love, by which true lovers are known. Love is as strong as death. There is nothing too difficult, says St. Augustine, to be conquered by the fire of love. For as the sake, in doing what we love, labor is not felt. Or if it be felt, the very labor is loved. St. Vincent de Paul used to say that love is measured by the desire of the soul to suffer and to be humbled in order to please God. Let God be pleased, though it should cost us the loss of our life and of all things. To gain all, it is necessary to leave all. All for all, said said Thomas the Campus, the reason we do not become saints is, as St. Teresa says, because as we do not give all our affections, so he does not give us his perfect love. We must then say with the spouse in the canticles, my beloved to me, and I to him. My beloved has given himself entirely to me. It is but just that I give myself without reserve to him. St. John Chrysostom says that when a soul has given himself entirely to God, she, she no longer cares for ignominies and sufferings. She loses the desire of all things and not finding repose in any creature. She is always in search of her beloved. Her sole concern is to find her beloved. To obtain and preserve divine love, three things are necessary. Meditation, communion, and prayer. First, meditation is necessary. He who thinks but little on God loves him but little. In my meditation, said David, a fire shall flame out. Meditation, and particularly meditation on the passion of Jesus Christ, is the blessed furnace in which the love of God is kindled and fanned. He brought me into the wine cellar. He set me in order charity, in order to set charity in me. The souls that are introduced into this heavenly cellar by a single glance of Jesus Christ, crucified and dying for the love of us, are wounded and inebriated with holy love. For St. Paul says that Jesus Christ died for us all, that each of us may live only to love him. And Christ died for all, that they also may not now live to themselves, but unto him who died for them. The communion is another holy furnace in which we are aflamed with the divine love. The Holy Eucharist says, Saint Chrysostom is a fire which inflames us, not like lying's breathing fire, We may retire from the holy table, being made terrible to the devil. Above all, prayer, the prayer of petition, is necessary. It is by means of prayer that God dispenses all his favors, but particularly the great gift of divine love. To make us ask this love, meditation is a great help. Without meditation, we shall ask little or nothing from God. We must then, always, every day, and several times in the day, Ask God to give us the grace to love Him with our whole heart. St. Gregory says that God wishes to be compelled and importuned by our petitions to bestow upon Him His graces. God wishes to be entreated, to be compelled. He wishes in a certain manner to be overcome by importunity. Let us then continually ask of Jesus Christ His holy love, and let us ask His divine Mother Mary who is the treasurer of all his graces, to obtain it for us. She is called by St. Bernardine the dispenser of all God's graces. All graces are dispensed through her hands. It is through her intercession that we must obtain the great gift of divine love. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Alphonsus de la pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.